What's good? This is Cheats, and we're outside of Peter Paul's Development Center. We're about to sit down with seven community activists to talk about Richmond's narrative, the future of Richmond, and the race for mayor in 2016. Welcome to the table. What's good? This is Cheats, and welcome to the table. Joining me today, I'm very excited to talk to Damon. We are hosted here at the wonderful Peter Paul Development Center. Damon from Peter Paul is with me. Amy, Black RVA, is with me. Mimi, Ladies Who Lead. Adrian from Peter Paul. Brother James, community activist, community organizer and activist, my man Art Burton and J.J. Miner, another community leader. And what we're trying to do here is you're welcoming to our table. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to set up discussions amongst people that are really ingrained in Richmond, having meaningful, meaningful conversations about what this future looks like. Everybody knows going into November, we've got right now 11, I think, 12 <coughs> people, 13 people officially thinking or running for the next mayor of Richmond. It, within the last week and a half, two weeks, we've had a mayoral form, and then we've had obviously a large display from students in regards to what's happening at City Hall and the mayor's proposed budget, school consolidations and school closings. So there's a lot of narratives going around when we look at an election that's scheduled to happen seven, eight months from now. It'll go all the way up into December 20th if there's a runoff election. So I want to start with you guys and ask, because they say the media kind of tells the story, I'm going to start with you, Damon. What should that story, what should that, what should people be discussing as we move closer to this election and then the time heading right after that election? Well, first of all, Mark, I just want to say thank you for pulling us all together to have this conversation. Um, I think one of the things that we're missing in this community is a, a voice that represents the full complexity of who we are as a community. I think um, if we're talking about what's portrayed in the media, it, it, it represents one segment of our population. And if Richmond wants to tout being this very diverse region, um, and in certain instances and in certain ways, it is definitely that. Um, but I see it as segregated diversity, to be quite honest with you. And uh, what's put out in the media presents one segment of the community in one way, and it, 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 it really uh, pushes forth certain agendas for more affluent communities. And so I think my issue is that if we're going to talk about the Richmond region, RVA, then we need to talk about the full, all of what is RVA. You know, the east end, the west end, north side, it all needs to be represented equally. Um, and so, I mean, even with the fact that, even the fact that, uh, uh, you got, what you say, 13 candidates running for mayor? I think, I mean, that's, I think so that's the latest count, right? One just jumped in. A couple people thinking about it. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think that speaks volumes um, um, about the fact that we've been uh, absent of any leadership in the city of Richmond for far too long, and so many people, whether they're qualified or otherwise, felt compelled to really put their name in the hat. Um, and try to lead this city. I think that's what we've been missing uh, so much. Uh, so you've got many organizations, activists, organizers, nonprofits working feverishly to do this work, um, and uh, you know, absent of uh, any clear uh, and sustained leadership in this community. So 
when we're talking about a narrative, I think the narrative just, need, just needs to really represent all of Richmond, not just a segment that has the loudest and most affluent voice. That's, that's important, though, because I hear that a lot, um, representing whole of Richmond. I hear certain things like um, Richmond is kind of compartmentalized or segregated in a way. How many people agree with that? I agree. I totally tell, agree. Tell, JJ, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, what two things? How do you see that when you're working in your community? And then two, what type of leadership will it take to make that segregated Richmond a one Richmond? Because I think that's the goal everybody's looking for. Well, I think you, I think you hit it on, on point. Like for instance, over in the East End, there's really a sec, there's really segregated just north and south of Broad. Mm. When you look at it, um, there's a lot of things that we're going to have to do um, as far as looking at um, that one candidate that's running, who's going to help lead the city. When we talk about the mayor, you have to talk about um, someone who's going to focus on education, um, making that a number one top uh, priority. You're talking about someone who's, who needs to focus on reducing crime, job creation, economic development. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. We don't have a grocery store in the city on Brook Road, Meadow Bridge, Brooklyn mm -hmm. Park Boulevard, 25th Street and Nine Mile, Williamsburg Road, Jeff Davis. Mm -hmm. um, you get a grocery store up on Hall when you get closer to the, in the Ninth District, which is near Chesterfield. Mm -hmm. But these are some things we have to look at. Poverty, a 26% poverty rate in the city of Richmond. Um, that's basically five coliseums sold out of people, over 50,000 people. Um, also, what's interesting too, Mark, is that you're going to have to find a mayor who knows how to, um, who can communicate with uh, the city council and school board. Mm -hmm. And folks fail to realize it's not really just about the mayor. It's about finding six out of nine council persons because nine council persons sometimes have a conflict, they really can't work together. But if you find six out of nine council per persons working together, we can also help move this city forward. And you have to have a team of folks who's going to be working with the mayor and also the school board who can communicate with each other. So there are different things and different challenges that we have to face, especially when it comes to race. We all know that this is uh, the capital of Confederacy. Mm -hmm. um, um, there's some racial issues going on, and it's a shame that the media, the media is, is biased. I mean, it is. You know, mm. and uh, that's a good point. I want to ask uh, Amy or Mimi: Do we in Richmond? It seems like around these tables we talk about race a lot, and we talk about diversity a lot, and what old Richmond versus new Richmond. Or do do we talk enough about race in the conversations that, like, so for example, <coughs> we were both at the Mayor Oil Forum. Mm -hmm. They were going a strong two hours with twelve people on stage. There wasn't one real race reconciliation, conciliation, harmony, how do we work together? Is that something that's missing or is that, is that something that you just kind of deal with and push forward to? I think that talk, talking about race is uncomfortable for a lot of people mm -hmm. and that's the reason why it doesn't happen. It's because people don't want to make others comfortable, uh, feel uncomfortable, um, they don't want to feel uncomfortable themselves, but in order for Richmond to move past um, the Horrid history that it has, these conversations have to happen. So we have to put aside our comfort levels and really get down and talk about it. Okay, somebody so, else, I mean, what do you say? I, I, I agree, <laughs> I agree. I think, um, you know, it's a newer day, but a lot of times race is intertwined in all of these issues of, you know, poverty. When we talk about this tale of a few cities right here in Richmond. You know, race is a common thread amongst that. You know, you can go back historically and look at, you know, city boundaries and how things are set up. And so in, until we're ready to have the, I wouldn't even say a hard conversation, the necessary conversations about race, 
Um, I think we're going to see this kind of stunted growth, this kind of growth that we're making, but still a lot more that needs to be done, I think, until we really kind of sit down and talk about that a bit more. I so think we have had the conversation. I think so, tell me, Tell me what you we think. We had the conversation about race in the city, and we decided that black people and black children didn't matter. That's what mm -hmm. we decided. I mean, now, if we're going to have another conversation. Who, who decides? When you I, say, like, I, we've I, had that conversation, I, we've decided. Who, make, who makes I that decision? That the corporate community, um, state legislature, and city leadership has decided I think we have had, to J.J.'s point about having six people lead us, I think we've had a majority uh, leadership on uh, both city council as well as school board with, the, with Newbill, Graziano, uh, Robinson, and Mosby, mm. and they have consistently supported the mayor's um, economic development policies. On the school board, we've had a majority with uh, Gray, Larson, Bourne, who have consistently supported a continuation of segregationist policies in public education. The idea that, that we, haven't, we don't have this consensus in our leadership is just not what we don't have in this city. So you think we have so, consensus in leadership, but it's not consensus going in a direction that brings so here's, here's my take on the, the, gift and, the gift and the curse of a progressive city, okay. right? The demographics, and, and JJ gave us, almost created a visual, was giving us the Coliseum analogy, right? Mm -hmm. But the face of Richmond, the, the citizens of Richmond are changing. Only about 56% of the citizens are African American. So if we want to do, if, if our leadership should look like its citizens, one question becomes, do we lead us in who we think this city should look like or what the city will look like, right? So 56%, and, and I was at that mayoral forum, and I right. go to all these things, and they are usually, your town halls that you host are primarily African-American. Right. So the We didn't help with this room. <laughs> right. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that in the next segment to get more. So uh, the conversation is going to be guided by the audience typically, right? At the mayor forum, um, there was a hint about race, but really through economics, it was a question about the monuments, right? right. right. And that was about the closest conversation we had. So we, as the citizens and as listeners, we had to deduce, oh, you said you're in favor of the monuments staying, so that means blah, 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 mm -hmm. and not just really blatant conversation. So a lot of innuendo mm -hmm. is, is, is allowed to have, and we accept it, and we go back to the barbershops and the tables, and we have these conversations about reinterpreting what we think we heard. Right. Instead of posing the question, the racism is real. We're not going to cure racism. Mm -hmm. I do believe that we have to approach things through the other ism, which is classism. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a resident of the county, right? So why am I? Why do I care about what happens in Richmond? Because right. the regional RVA that Damon alluded to impacts us all. Um, at any given point, I'm between Petersburg and. and Fredericksburg. Right. So the entire corridor is really led and guided by what the capital city is doing. So the capital city not has to be more than just the star on the map mm -hmm. from that figuratively from that figurative standpoint. It has to truly be the star of the Commonwealth from other perspectives as well. And and how the your capital city goes, your entire state is truly represented. When we go places and we, we represent RVA, that's what people look at as the entire state, not mm -hmm. Northern Virginia for what your capital city is doing. Right. So some accountability has to be had and that we all need to let
let passion and emotion go and really think about what this state and what this city should look like. And the ism we need to talk about is a mixture between the classism and racism and what happens south of the river. We have those kinds of conversations versus north of the river. Right. The schools and everything else is impacting and it's so complex that when we get into a feel-good mode, we get into a feel-good mode and we forget about, oh, you know, we cut ribbons and we do all those things from a ceremonial perspective. <coughs> we put band-aids or lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, right? Let, let me ask this, because there's two things that I heard there that I, I wanted to pull out. None of us in this particular room are public officials, so we may not have a really good answer on this, but the two words is transparency and accountability. Mm -hmm. Why is that so hard? in regards to, like I said, we're not public officials, but every public official says we have a problem with transparency and accountability. Popularity and I, is the other, you know, JJ right. and I talk okay. online to each other. These elections become popularity contests, right? We had, we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and, and, and Amy and I talk about this all the time. Um, we went to high school together. I could not know anything about your policy, your agenda, how you're going to move me forward. We shot ball together. We wear the same right. school colors. Class Whatever you say, I'm with that guy. And it happens. So we also need, I say, I told Amy, we need a civics lesson to the citizens. So we, the other piece of this accountability are the people like us Absolutely. who truly are grassrooted, who truly touch. I mean, I go to a lot of things and we see the usual suspects, right? right. And they look for Amy to have the answers. What's, what the mayor do now? Right. What's the governor do? Who's my representative? How I get my rights restored? They may call the official, the, the, the people that certified and took the oath, but I bet you they call JJ and they call And AJ. say, what are we doing? And what, what are we supposed to do? Right, and go, how can go we ahead, jump in here. Well, I think, I, you know, one of the things you didn't hear in the mayoral's contest is the fact that when we changed the form of government, um, there was some structural in, in some structural issues that we never resolved that has made this government less accountable, more accountable. I think one of the issues is that when we put the, the when we put the mayor's race in a presidential year, I think that has gone a long way towards dumbing down communities because you got this national ticket. Everybody's going to come out. You're going to have high voter turnout right. pretty, pretty much every year. Get the yeah. school board elections. They know understand who they're voting for because so many times the issues get drowned out. Um, I think we do have to go back and move the mayoral election to an off year mm. if we're really going to have the let, kind of civil Let me ask this. Character-wise, <laughs> not to say you were character-wise, not, not necessarily, you know, six foot tall, <laughs> not, not attributes, but for the next leader of this city and the next leader of this region, what do you think we need more than anything else, Dan? Balls. That's the short answer. But what, I'm, what, I'm really, what I'm really saying is political will. You know, the ability to stand for your convictions. You know, if you truly know what's important to move this community forward, I don't think a lot of that is really debatable. It's about how do you go about pushing your agenda forward. You know, and so how do you go about saying what needs to be said, risking political suicide in a way that you're able to you're able to just stand firm in your convictions. So yeah, balls. I mean that's that's really what it boils down to me. You know, it's like so we know that there are certain policies as 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 as, as um as Art has alluded to, there's certain policies 
that have been in place. There's a culture of poverty that has pervaded this community for so long, that have been allowed to persist for so long, and yet, how do we know? How do we know that they that, that, that we're, we're we're perpetuating this because the, the supported policies and the way that we go about our business, the, the naivety around the voting public supports all of that. Mm. You know, and so until we can figure those things out, until someone is willing to stand up and be courageous in their convictions, um, <coughs> we need to have what we had. You know, and that's just the political side of things. I think it's trust. I think you gotta have political leadership that trust its vision with the community. I don't, I don't particularly think this mayor had a bad vision. I think he didn't trust anybody with his vision. That's a good question. Are we too enough, hard? Like, enough to really share with people what it was and looked like, what it was he was trying to do. And as a result of that, you know, um, people have lost trust in confidence. What is y'all's sense? Have, have, have we been condemned? I, I will, whatever, like it or not, on, you know, when we're talking about the next mayor, this current major mayor is a, you know, a pariah or scapegoat. Right. Yeah. Uh, have they been too tough on this mayor in regards to? So this this is how this is how I feel about that whole thing that that he just spoke about. Uh, I think what happens is when our leadership markets some of their plans, they're marketing all of the positive aspects of the plan. They're not really educating the public on the risks or other things that might come into account. And so now the Redskins deal is being attacked. But um, same thing. You had a really good post about that, though. Yes. Yeah, that passed unanimously. Yeah, right? The right. Redskins deal, when it right. passed, it and passed that, unanimously. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And now everybody stands on stage and says it's the worst thing that's ever happened in this Exactly. Season. And a lot of that is because a lot of people are taking things that aren't true about the deal or things that aren't true about other things and they're, they're, they, it, they start a rumor mill. So um, so that's what I'm working on now is that fact <coughs> yeah. um, like with the lottery money and that you know people will stand up and they'll say oh well, what about the lottery money what about the this what about that it's just because the public doesn't know. So I think the real important thing is that same thing with the schools. The schools that are being closed right now or the, the proposal. proposal to close the schools right now um, it's been in the it's been in the, the works for about four years right. now. Okay, right. but the public was not talked to talked right. to about it. So what they did was they put it out there on the heels of a budget crisis to make everybody feel that oh they're all, they're they're closing the schools because they don't have thirteen million dollars. Okay, so if they get yeah exactly, it's been a part of the plan. Had they educated and I talked to a couple of school board members about this. Had they educated the public about the plan about the data early on, aside from the budget issues. Um, then maybe they could have gotten a little bit of trust from, you know, from the public. But now the public's like, <laughs> they're confused. Right. Right. So they're upset. Go ahead, JJ. No, I want to ask JJ, JJ, you just held a, you had a community event at Mount Olive that was packed out, right? For, yes. Uh, specifically talk about Armstrong schools. I want to bring it a little bit. Actually, we talked about all the schools. You talked about all the schools that were slated for merger or closure, right? There was a piece. Anybody else see the piece in... I think it was Mark Holmberg's piece on the Times Dispatch about the schools. So, uh, I think in that piece, it, there was a quote in there that we we pay more per student in the city already than they pay in you know high well above the state average around the city. Now, obviously, the challenges are different, but he also had some really kind of. We'll talk about it, you know the actual nature of the piece, but he he had some things like okay, you get the eighteen million dollars, you fully fund schools, you still got old buildings, you still got kids going to school not prepared to learn, you still got all of these systemic problems that really actually are more much more of what Damon says about poverty structure. Right. Are are we missing the ball a little bit when we're talking about 
the $18 million to fully fund schools that may not actually, you know, may not actually be in the best structure to begin with? You're missing the whole ball. I mean, the, the bottom line is that the public school system in its current form doesn't work for anybody. I mean, it doesn't work for black children, doesn't work for white children, it only educates two-thirds of the population that's a part of it. When we talk about poverty, we're talking about systems. The education system that we run for the seventh man years made, man made. is made to do what it does. But is, is that, is that, is that, that's a good point. Is that fair is to say that the edu public school system doesn't work for everyone? So yeah. if you think about the school system and you approach it from a business perspective, which at those forums everyone says that they want your city to be ran like a business. And everybody cheers and yes, because they think they that's going to bring around economic soundness and physical feasibility. The commodity in our school system are real breathing children. And uh, Amy and I had a conversation this morning. It'll take almost a, a half a generation to fix it. Um, these two ladies have young children. So they have some decisions to make very quickly about where they want their children, where they want to live in order to have their children educated equally. I lived in a city that it was no way that my children were going to go to that public school, so I pay more. So mm. it alludes to that, that the diversity based on what you, where you can afford to live. So we're doing a, a disservice to our children all right, when we say, when we know it's broken, but we want to hold on to what we have based on, not, I'm not saying you do, based on tradition, based on legacy, based on mascots and colors. We have to look broader to say that Amy's two-year-old daughter, is, she, is the school going to be prepared to receive her when she's ready to go there? And how we're doing a disservice is because if she moves, hypothetically, I'm using you, and says, I got to leave Richmond because my daughter, the commodity, is not being evaluated in this business-like structure of a city, right? That we're missing the children. And she take her talent somewhere else, and she does, and you do it, and I did it, and someone else does it, then that's why the demographics of the city is 50% white. I mean, I'm sorry, 50% black, and we're looking, and when I look... I, well, we, but we're not talking about the demographics of the city. We're talking about the demographics of Richmond Public School System, which is 22,000 kids, 18,500 of which are black children. Mm -hmm. It is a majority black children. I mean, and and, and uh, 85%. <laughs> right. and, and I categorically disagree when you think that undermining the culture of the entire community, be it an Armstrong, be it a Maggie Walker, doesn't matter. I think it absolutely does matter. I think so much of our problem now is that we've stood around and allowed people to just tear apart uh, these institutions like Maggie Walker, which were instrumental to our communities and what they stood for. And I just, I, you know, I do, however, think we have to look at the people when we throw 18 million on the table. The majority board of the school board has already demonstrated it has no interest in black, educating black children, okay? <laughs> So you think, it would, you think if the demographics of the city looked different, this whole thing would they be different? They have already demonstrated they had no interest in educating black children. The attack on Armstrong and the various schools is a continuation of that policy of undermining black education. And to your point, the way it was put in the community 
is a further demonstration of that because it was been they've been waiting four years to do it. They haven't talked about it. They threw it out there, and they're creating hysteric hysteria mm -hmm. in black neighborhoods while they run to higher political offices in their own communities. JJ, what, what See, do you? I don't think they're smart. I don't think they're smart. Let me ask JJ strategic. this. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I, well. you've been you've been in the community. You've been at the meeting. You said they discussed being unaware. That that yes. being unaware. But I, but I, I mean, I don't think that the I think some I of the leadership is Gray, that intelligent. The to Kim be perfectly Gray honest, no, 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 you don't understand no, no, to be no, that strategic no, no, no. to say right. we're going to we, we have the demise of black children. I don't think they have foresight or fortitude to even understand. They're analyzing data and then they're making decisions based on that data. And, well, she, I mean, and Shonda actually hit it on the head at the forum when she said, you know what, we're not putting faces to this data and maybe we should. And that was, you know, that was true. What, let me ask this and then we'll kind of change the subject a little bit. But what, um, $18 million deficit, that's that's there, right? Right, right. What, what, is, what are you hearing that you, like, what would you like to see done? What are you hearing that people want to see done? What I'm hearing is that folks want the schools open. Um, I hear that, but my thing is, you know, after after if they receive the 18 million, what's going to happen next? Right. Or how do you maintain it? Who's doing? No one's done a presentation on that yet. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to look to ways, look at ways as far as um, probably raising money, fundraising, or even doing some type of meals tax or something in that nature to help but, maintain what's going on. Let me ask you this though. If we if they fill that eighteen million dollar gap, I know several council members have budget amendments in that fill it fully. Some of them have five million in. Are we just throwing good money after bad? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think so. I mean when you get to a point where what is it, seventeen to less than twenty percent of the city's budget goes towards education when comparable metropolitan areas is upwards of forty percent. Right. I think that speaks volumes. So I mean eighteen million to maintain or or or, or um, uh, improve the facilities. If you put the same people, the same culture, the same faculty into those buildings, you know what good does it do? They're throwing good money after bad. Mark, yeah. you but watch. Uh, you're a sports guy. I'm right? a big sports fan. Yeah. So you watch Thirty for Thirties. You ever seen the all of them? I've seen all of them. Yep. So for those who don't know, there's a, a document a documentary that kind of yep. about. Rich athletes and how within two years or so post retirement they're all broke mm -hmm. because we don't we haven't they didn't know they became <coughs> instant millionaires right they came became instant millionaires they did the flashy things unless if we um do a analogy to that being the people that we hope we rep that represent us right they don't necessarily understand the structures of urban planning. If you look across the resumes of who represents you, how many of the people on school board are true educators, how many of them are business owners or business leaders, what's their personal balance sheet look like? Because maybe they in the, you know, in the red themselves, right? But anyway, you get all this money, I give you the 18 million, and on what Damon is saying, and then you don't know what to do with it, and then you're broke again. Well, or, they, well, or we're constantly it. having that conversation because you don't know what to do right. um, uh, with your balance or how to even get to your, you know, how to create your balance sheet. So I give you 18 million, I give you 18 more. And the schools continue to fall apart or mismanage them. And then every couple of years, this happens. This is not the first time that this happens. This, and it's not the only city that it happens in. Well, so, you know. I, I, think, I think the school system has, has done a great job as far as the blame game. Um, no one is talking about the money that they spent that they really shouldn't have been spent spending. Um, 
What do you mean by that? Well, where, where some some sources are now telling us that that some of the funding that they have currently they haven't spent yet. They don't, they don't use it. Right. They don't use it. Right. right. Um, but we we also talking about. Uh, rich history of some schools and no one is still talking about why were these schools chosen you know mm -hmm. no one talked about Mary okay, Nobody, no one talked about Mary Mumford mm -hmm. you know no one talked about John Marshall but you're saying um, that, that's going back to the race right race. no one no one talked about John Marshall as far as um, they only have 600 and some students when the school can hold 1300 people mm -hmm. okay no one's talking about how TJ the capacity of TJ and TJ is, is under John Marshall as far as students attended so why was Armstrong chosen mm -hmm. you know why, why, why was it chosen? But no one wants why, to talk about why, it. Why, did, why was it chosen? Yeah. Did we get an answer? Let's go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. We're around the table. I don't know why I was chosen. Uh, somebody tell me. We're around the table. Somebody tell me. Squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And so if you don't have people advocating for those schools and whatnot, those are the ones that get chosen. If you're not contributing to the bottom line in some form of fact, whether it's tax revenue or being able to purchase houses in your community. That's, what, that's why we, we we know that there we know that there is an effort to gentrify the remaining part of Church Hill, and right. the goal right. is to make the families as uncomfortable as you know as possible in in doing that. Um, what I wanted to share was that yeah. you know we 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 elected this school board to do three things. One was to get rid of the old management, bring in new leadership, and three, create a vision for public education. <coughs> They have simply not forwarded a vision for public education, mm -hmm. and that is what they need to be doing. They don't need to be closing schools. They don't need to be doing anything because the truth of the matter is to have the system that we all want. At the mayor's forum, I heard two things. I heard the community say children are a priority. Uh, to be, a man. Should, Every single should, one of them should, said education is Children in this city should be the priority. And I heard people skirt around the issue of poverty, right. which is the, the systems themselves that run this city. I mean, and, and it seems like people want to deal with the education system first. And to do that, we need a vision for how we educate all children, regardless of color, regardless of class. I don't, I don't want to, we haven't done that yet. I don't want to give the impression, though, and like I said, I, let's be very clear. Running for public office is a hard task. Oh, no doubt. It's much harder in this day and age where they're looking at everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a camera phone. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking at everything on social media. I know these people, especially public officials, kind of know what they're signing up for. But I think oftentimes you get challenged by the people that, like, a lot of good people just don't run. Mm -hmm. Like, right. why? Okay. It, 2016 age, is it worth it? Is it mm -hmm. worth running for public office, honestly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that all of it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, I'm just kind of soaking in the conversation. And what comes to mind for me, what's important for a public official is just someone who's in tune, someone who has a pulse of the people. So when you see, you know, I want an official who, when you see this plan to close down Armstrong and take these children across the bridge, the south side, or wherever else, to understand, well, half of the parents over here don't drive. Mm. Creating okay. hardship. You know, you got how many, you know, folks from different, already within the community that may not be getting along, you know, from <coughs> one, you know, say Mosby and Creighton or whatever, but now you want to bring them over to south side, a south side girl, Richmond Public School graduate, Amy and I went to you can have together, <laughs> shout out. But, you know, so I want someone who is in tune with the people of the community. 
you know, and I think when you when you are in tune and when you're aware of what's going on in different, you know, dynamics and things, I think I would like to see a part of that to help to inform your decisions that you're making on, on my behalf, you know. Okay. And I think the other thing is, and I might be going a different, okay, okay. A different route, is, um, you know, these kind of conversations <laughs> and then when we come up for election time, it should remind us of why we need to be involved on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. You know, it's beyond. And, you know, I, I used to work on in Congress. And so that was when I got a first bird's eye view of, you know what, if you weren't calling, emailing, mm -hmm. stopping by that office every day, your issues are really not heard. Sad mm -hmm. but true. Mm -hmm. So the loud voice is who gets the ear. Mm -hmm. And so until we are loud consistently, <laughs> not just for, you know, election year, election year <laughs> this set event, we got to keep, it's hard work, but we got to keep the momentum up. But and I think our voice, our no, voice no, demands no, no. accountability. You know, we use right. our voice demands accountability from public officials because if you're quiet about it, they're not going to respond to you. But you got to be informed, right? You got to be yeah. informed. Yeah. Or be prepared to articulate your case and whatnot. Because I mean, you know, you, you get up, a, you get the wrong person at the podium. Right. And your whole agenda. That you think some of the city council meetings. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen it. You know, it's a terrible brother, thing. Brother and I want. I just want to echo what she's saying. You, you're exactly right. But the problem is, this is this is the problem. I think there's some folks who are in tune with the community. Some, not all, mm. most not. Mm. But um, you got a lot of folks there who have, they've got a lot of book sense, but they have no common sense whatsoever. Mm. And some of these issues are common sense, I mean, they're just common sense solutions. It's just common sense. So what's cool, I don't understand it. What's cool about not being elected is that you don't owe your truth to anybody else, right? Because mm. so, we know that once you're elected, you may be down with this one, so I got to follow your plan and agenda. And that's why people like us are important to be the liaisons, to be the conduits that if you're touching Mosby and Creighton and Southside and you're a graduate of this school and that school and you belong to every organization in this city and you pop up at every meeting, you touch you in the schools and you touching kids, then you become the advocate for the, the mm -hmm. people that you touch. Mm -hmm. Now the public officials should be using you and your resources and you should have their ear to mm -hmm. say what's really going down in so, Mosby. Okay, so, so back to public advocate because Mr. Lewis, before we started, you were telling us about mm -hmm. some of the work that you were doing in yep. Mosby. And uh, I'd like to hear from you about what you think about well, some of the Well, just to shout out to what she's saying, that uh, um, you up here and, and have no kind of full a technical, tangible source where people are down here. And, and we have to balance that out. Education is a wonderful thing, but no education in, in reality of, of, of love it's, it's like a Frankenstein thing. Exactly. Because you're just looking for that, that big opportunity and you're not looking for your small um, vision of the next generation coming in. <laughs> 20 years from now, um, with the uh, immigration coming in and everything like this here, right? Where are we going to be at? Mm -hmm. I mean, really, where are we going to be at? Mm -hmm. If we don't come together and love ourselves and love our children and stop wasting time on our grown folk self. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's 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 where that's where the time right. being waste. Yeah. Grown folks still got children mentality. Oh okay? And that's why the children acting like grown folks and the, and the grown folks acting like children. Mm. We gotta change that. I I have a child 
in RPS who's about to graduate. So she started off at Fisher, then went to Thompson, and now she's at Richmond Community on Brooklyn Park Boulevard. And I have, a, like she said, a small child that now we're trying to prepare to see where um, she's going to enter school in a few years. So um, I think a lot of times, too, I understand uh, that we point fingers at school, but we point fingers at RPS. Um, but I have no, just being active in the schools, I have noticed that in the schools um, that Jasmine attended, where parental involvement and um, a sense of community wasn't in the school, the students tended, tended, tended to do uh, worse. So yeah. I think that one of the things that JJ said um, at the forum that kind of sparked me was that, you know, everybody's in an uproar because they're closing the schools. But we need to have that same amount of uproar and that same amount of involvement when it comes to parental involvement. That, um, hey, you know, exactly right. And let me be clear. Not being accredited. Go ahead. And we saw it at the council meeting. Mm -hmm. We RPS has some amazing teachers yes. mm -hmm. that do so much with, you know, they love their kids. They, they are very good teachers. And, you know, they've, they've got challenges unlike some of the surrounding counties. Mm -hmm. Um, just waking up and you know getting their kids and then going to school and making sure like all of those kids are their kids so I, I don't definitely want to throw the fact that you know there certain teachers aren't doing their jobs there's a lot of teachers that are doing their jobs above and beyond what is required there's places like this wonderful institution here that we're at Peter Paul that does their job there's places in Mosby that does an amazing job and it's 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 a challenge and I think we're going to have to wrap it. I said we're going to go 20, 20, 25. It's 40 minutes in. And, um, and, and all other things oh, ahead, is about the school. Um, we should find some incentive that we can give people who <clears throat> don't want to college one year or not just high school that is involved with the kids that can go to the school. But, you know, you, you don't want to give them nothing. See what I'm saying? Uh, give those people some, some kind of uh, 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 incentive, right? Yeah. And they were, they were bum rush. Mm -hmm. But, you know, keep them out, keep them out. They are the real people. Right. They know the kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we got to get that right. We're going to have to leave it with that word. Uh, we've got about, like I said, we got about seven months to the November election for the next mayor of Richmond. We've got, if there is a runoff, raise your hand if you think there's going to be a runoff. Because I do. <laughs> um, that, that'll put us into about December. Um, Everybody won't have stay in power. <laughs> you're right about that. I think the first, uh, when we talk about the mayoral election. Who's running till June? June 14th, right. There's a, there's a ballot initiative and signatures. But if you, if you know, if you know politics, you can see. You can see what's going on. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's only top three. If you go to the Cheats Movement blog, you can see where we rank the tiers. Um, but yes, there, are, there yes. are tiers on the blog. And right, but you know what? Oh, it's a, is that a drinking game? What I miss? Really? Don't have to cut that part. Oh yeah, 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 I did. Mark, we need to do a part two. We, we will. No, see, this is again, like we said, we're gonna try to do these. Um, we're gonna try to do these as fairly often as we go into November because I do think it's very important that the people that are leading the communities talk about what needs to be shaped for the future of the region of the city and moving forward these are really important conversations that honestly just to be frank with us we just scratch the surface of right we, I mean there's some real layers of the onion that you can get behind and figure out um, what can be done to make an effective future for Everyone, like Damon was saying, we're talking about everyone in Richmond, not just certain segments. Um, so, 
Thanks for joining us at the table. Thank we'll you. do it again. Thank you. We'll do it all over Richmond. This is Cheats with the Cheats Movement Bob. Catch you next time. Oh, yeah, we see it. <laughs>